Hi, this is Lewis Black, and you're listening to Five Questions with Dan Shawbell. You're listening to the Five Questions podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Shawbell. In fewer than 10 minutes, my goal is to extract the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is stand-up comedian Lewis Black. Lewis is known for his regular appearances on The Daily Show, his Comedy Central stand-ups, and being the voice of anger in the Pixar film Inside Out. We discuss the root of his anger, being optimistic during troubling times, and why building a career shouldn't only be about the money for this podcast episode. Many talented comedians acknowledge the dark side of comedy in that it can come from a place of pain and insecurity. Is there a connection between your childhood experiences and the anger you use in your comedy? No, not even close. My anger, it wasn't a dark side. It was more about authority, and which is now played out this week to the point of unbelievable. You know, here's where, here's where you end up when you don't pay attention to authority and you just kind of trust authority. That was really where, the, where it came from, the anger. I had a really uh, pretty good childhood. So it wasn't like I was, you know, my parents didn't lock me in a closet for four hours a day. Well, that's really interesting. It seems like it's just the environment around you as you were growing up in terms of the news and in politics that have, you know, made you be like, what the heck is going on? And that has contributed to the anger. And then you are, you know, stand up routines and all your you know, comedy specials where you, you project that anger. It's, it's how you kind of live with what's going on is you want other people to know what you're feeling. Yeah, I came out of being born and raised in, around Washington, D.C., and so I was confronted with that all the time. And my uh, and my mother was pretty angry about stuff, and so I think in part my mother probably had more of a dark thing, but even hers was not. She had a, a pretty good upbringing. You know, she was her parents were you know my grandparents were immigrants, but she was really uh, she was pissed <laughs> a lot of the time. Her kind of anger and sarcasm was funny. And I think that I picked up on that. And based on your struggles and successes you've had throughout your whole career, why do you think you were able to achieve what you have while many comedians fall short? Luck in part, in part it's timing. A lot of it had to do with uh, when I hit, it was around the time that we went into Iraq, which was, uh, you know, the George Bush presidency. And that kind of setup of was like, oh, so you're gonna just try, these guys are showing you photos. Because it was so, here's where the target's here, and you're going there. I mean, it was like, please, guys. So a lot of it came out of that. A lot of it came out of um, the fact that The Daily Show came at that time. I was on it and did well on it. And I had a lot of material that, and I hadn't been seen as a comedian. I was working in theater. So that made me a new kid on the block at the age of like, you know, my late 30s. <laughs> and, uh, so that that kind of contributed to it. Uh, Conan came on, he started putting me on. Comedy Central started using me and Dave Attell as kind of a, a, somewhat the face of the network for a time where they used this, you know, in a, a variety of fashions when they were hosting other event things that were going on on the, the network. And also the fact that I came out of, I was doing stand-up on the side for just fun and not really going to clubs. So I was, whatever style I was developed was developed completely outside of the comedy club. So I, I wasn't kind of, as many comics are and brilliantly, so many of them, uh, that's where they were born and raised in terms of their craft. I was born and raised in theater. 
Yeah. So it was a kind of a unique perspective based on your background. And yeah. it's also came to be a perfect storm. Luck and timing, a lot of it is driven by, you know, not just experiences, but a lot of hard work. You know, I always felt like the work was getting to the club, not being there. <laughs> it was, the work itself never felt like work. I worked a lot in theater, but I never felt it was work at all. The payment is you get to do that stuff. You might not be making money at it, but boy, you wake up and you go, wow, I get to do this. I completely agree. How yeah. do you think your anger through your comedic routines has helped you both make people laugh while at the same time convey important social and political messages? I, I know that it's made people laugh because kids have told me from the very beginning, you know, you're really funny. You're, you know, you're just like my dad, only you're funny. It's kind of being able to express stuff that people had on their minds that I was just able to say, because I wasn't kind of born and raised in comedy clubs. I worried more about what I was saying at, at times than the laugh. And then the audience is the one who guided me toward the laugh. So I owe them a, a great debt. And the anger, you can't be really angry on stage. So it was the way I played it. And, and that, I think, I learned from watching really uh, some really, you know, fine actors, you know, act. So there was a sense of acting to it. But in a sense, at times, I mean, I could really go off. But I knew how to bring it back from what I learned in clubs. I never thought of that I was delivering a message of any sort as much as I was trying to entertain people or giving them a moment of stepping back from the reality that they were dealing in. That's a good reflection. And when I think about you, Jon Stewart, Trevor Noah, especially The Daily Show, their comedy allows them to get a message across in a consumable way that really resonates, especially with young people. Because a lot of people are sick of just watching the news and hearing the same thing, but you can express that in the comedy medium and format that can really penetrate. And I think, especially for me, like that's something that has worked really well. And speaking of social and political issues, our society is more divided than any time in my lifetime. Despite all these issues you talk about in your routines, what gives you hope for the future? Our society was kind of just as divided in the late 60s. The, the same division was there that is today. It was that same kind of like, if you're not with us, you're against us. Well, no, jackass. I just don't agree with that idea. I don't think that this war makes sense. And we've been in the midst of this. One of the things that gave me hope was kind of gone for a while, which was is that I always had this real sense of, and I still in part do in the American people, but it used to be in, in, in this kind of Mr. Smith goes to Washington, uh, the American people will rise to the occasion. The thing that gave me hope in it was that people would, if something horrible would happen, like a hurricane or an earthquake or 9-11 or some sort of, you know, like the Oklahoma City bombing, something horrifying. And people would jump in cars from all over the United States who didn't even know the people there. And they would drive to help. It was instinctive. It's an instinctive thing that we seem to have, I felt, was the one thing that I thought overrode everything else. In terms of the amount of people who are really living in an alternative reality at this point, which is, I think, where we are. I, I don't think it's so much, are we that divided? In the 60s, there was no alternative reality, okay? There, there was a reality. It was on TV every night. People accepted the reality. This is the reality. Well, now you got a group of people who don't accept the reality. Well, it's called Tufsky Shitsky, you idiot. That's the reality. I'm sorry. You don't get to make your reality up. 
Or if you do get to make the reality up, chances are you're on a drug. And that's when you get to make the reality up. And you do that in the, in the privacy of your own home. And you go in the woods and you wander around and go, ooh, look at the trees. That's what you get to do. But this kind of division, the, the majority of people lean toward uh, the reality of a democracy and the way in which it is. That, the, that what has exploded during the last four years, from the very beginning, the people say, well, what do you feel is hopeful about you know, this kind of thing? And I said, because I think what we're hearing, the, the sounds that we're hearing, the reaction that we're getting, the, the madness that's out there is the sounds it's the sounds of dinosaurs that are dying. This shit is ending, and they are not going quietly. I think they, my hope comes from a, a younger generation that will move forward. And what's your best piece of career advice? My best piece of career advice is pursue what you love. If there's something that you want to do, do it. Don't let anybody talk you out of doing it. If you begin your career by saying, I want to do this because I love doing this, it will lead you to what you want to do. You will not fail, I believe, because if you're pursuing what it is you want to do, it's going to take you in the direction you want to go. You have to start by going in the direction you want to go. You can't start by saying, I need to make money. You, you can in terms of like a summer job, yes. But when it comes to your career, I don't believe that money has to be, should be the overriding factor. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Lewis. To follow his journey, you can listen to Lewis Black's Rantcast and find him on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter where he shares his rants, political commentary, promotional gear, appearances, and announcements. 